Today's scripture comes from Luke, the 24th chapter, the first to the 12th verses. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to all the rest. That was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to have an idle tale, and they did not believe him. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So in a lot of ways, Easter is the most anticipated Sunday of the year. Um, for those of you that, that don't know me very well, uh, this last year, um, I was mobilized on active duty, and I was gone for uh, Easter last year. And uh, so when I got back in January of this year, uh, Easter was one of the first worship services we, we started to plan out, uh, all the way back at the beginning of the new year. Uh, started making our preparations and our plans, making sure that everybody was on the same page, making sure that, that everybody kind of knew what was going on. And, and that sort of gets reflected in uh, a lot of our families as well. Easter is uh, sort of that one Sunday that um, takes on a, a little bit of uh, kind of extra planning, uh, maybe some extra thought. Uh, maybe there's uh, some other events or some meals uh, or some nicer clothes. Uh, Y'all, I don't think I've worn slacks to church in a while, right? But there's something about today that's just a little bit different. Uh, we put on maybe a little bit nicer clothes. Uh, we kind of plan out some meals, maybe some activities. Maybe there's people coming in from out of town uh, that we're able to worship with or be with. Uh, we, we stand in front of the flower cross outside of our worship spaces, and uh, we take our pictures looking uh, the most resurrected and redeemed that we can for the whole year, right? There's so much work that goes in to Easter, and it comes with so much joy, and it comes with brightness, and it comes in the, the, the midst of the spring where everything else is kind of coming to life around us, uh, and there's so much anticipation that goes with it. And I think in some sense it's interesting how much things have changed from our experience of how we have Easter now to uh, even the experience of that first Easter morning that you heard Pete read in the text this morning. Uh, because our experience is, is so very different. Uh, because we tend to have a plan or an expectation of what Easter will look like in our churches or our families or our afternoons, where for them, Easter did not go at all according to plan. Uh, it came with an expectation of what they thought they would find, of where they thought Jesus should be, and yet very quickly, their morning really started unraveling. 
And so it's almost as if our experience, we can understand it a little bit more if we kind of take our experience of Easter today and put it to the side just for a moment and we think about maybe just any other day of our life. The first two emotions of Easter were dread and confusion, um, which that's not typically how I experience Easter, but it might be how I experience Mondays. I mean, how many times do we kind of have to hype ourselves up to just get out of bed or we're sitting in the car before we, we walk into the office or we walk into a meeting or we walk into a job interview and, and just asking God just to uh, give us just enough strength uh, just to make it through what we need to get through for that day. We need a little bit more strength. And so you can imagine maybe uh, the talks that the women had to have as they were making their preparations, as they approached a tomb in grief, in dread or despair, of knowing what they were about to walk into was going to be holy work, caring for the body of their Lord, but also difficult work and hard work. And it's in that moment that things were not as they first expected. The stone had been rolled away and the tomb was empty. And it says that they were perplexed, which I think is a pretty generous word. Because each of us know what it's like for us to approach a situation that we've been uh, sort of getting our mind wrapped around, wrapping up ourselves, making sure that we have everything in line in order to walk into it. And then all of a sudden our day or our morning or our plans just start falling apart. And they lost control of their morning in the very same way that we lose control of our days so often that all of a sudden everything that we thought was planned for, that we thought we had figured out, all of a sudden becomes chaotic and confusing or perplexing. So maybe we can get a little bit closer to what that first Easter was like. Because when we come to church, especially on Easter, we come uh, expecting a story of the empty tomb, of the resurrection, of the hope and the life to come. And we hear that story and we internalize it and we take it out into the world. Because we know what's on the other side of that empty tomb. We already know that Jesus isn't going to be there. We already know that Jesus has gone on ahead of us and that what we approached that have been broken, Jesus is like, I have already broken every sin. I have already broken every habit that has tried to have control over you and I have set you free and you shall be free indeed. We already have the hope of the resurrection. And yet that first gospel story the other disciples didn't even believe the women. Thought it was an idle tale. And it wasn't even until Peter had to go and see for himself because their word wasn't good enough. The good news of God wasn't even believed by the ones who knew him best that very first morning. You see, the good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ is such a very interesting thing. Because gospel means good news. It comes from the, the Anglo-Saxon spelling of God's spell or, or, or God's speaking or God's story. And it comes from the root of uh, the Greek word for evangelism. 
the telling of good news, the telling of good stories, and the stories that we have in our lives, how often is it that we pass right by them not realizing that Jesus has something more to say in them? The first bit of good news that came that morning, they didn't even recognize it as good just yet. And I think each of us have situations in our lives that we're still breaking into realizing that God is not finished with them yet. That there are still promises for resurrection. There are still promises for hope. There are relationships that are being repaired. There are new jobs that are on the horizon. There are new opportunities that we feel like we have already moved on from to find out that not only is God's hope alive, but God's hope is alive in the situations that worry us and stress us out the most. The ones that we approach in despair and confusion, oh man, that's where God works the best, doesn't he? And so we come into knowing that first part of the gospel, the first part of the good news that comes with Jesus Christ is us approaching situations expecting to find one thing and then finding something else. That's the good news that we often don't recognize at first, that what we anticipate happening is not what we actually experience, and yet, God has something deeper that is moving in a powerful and incredible way. And so in our scripture reading this morning, as the women approach the tomb and they find it empty, if you can imagine the swirling of emotions that might kind of take hold of them in that moment, confusion, hurt, anger, the the nauseating sensation of not knowing what has just happened to the one thing that you hold most sacred in this world, the one that you placed all of your hope in, the one that you placed all of your dreams in, all of a sudden now not only has been traumatized and tortured and is executed, but you have come to care for his body in the last loving and sacred thing that you could think to do, and now all of a sudden it's gone. And it's in that moment that it says two dazzling men in white clothes appeared. Two messengers, two angels, two beings that come in and say in riddles, because we all like people to talk in riddles when our world is falling apart, right? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's risen. He's risen just like he told you he was going to rise. Jesus was so busy after the resurrection, he told somebody else to go tell us that he had done exactly what he was going to do. What I love so much about this narrative in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus doesn't even have to be in it for us to recognize that Jesus is at work in a way that we never expected. And the women, they take all of these emotions and they take these stories and they take these words that the angels had for them and they go and they tell the other disciples in their excitement and their fear and their confusion and just pouring out this story for them and the disciples are like, huh. Sounds made up. I need to see it for myself. That's what we tell ourselves in those situations, isn't it? When all of a sudden life starts unraveling, when all of a sudden it seems like things that we thought were gonna be happening all of a sudden have fallen apart, when it seems like chaos has become much more common in our life than order, 
and there's a hope and there's a rumor that God might have something blessing to come out of that, that God might have some life or some resurrection to come out of some things that are dead, the voices in our heads are the first ones that tell us that sounds made up. That doesn't seem possible. Let me go see for myself. And what's so amazing about Peter is Peter goes and sees exactly what they said he was going to see. And he came back amazed. And I think that word amazed, I think that's, again, one of those heavy words of not really knowing what exactly is going on. But I think at least this time, maybe there's a hope that's just hung on a little bit stronger than all the other hopes before it. That God might just be up to something. We each have our gospel stories. We each have our resurrection stories. Because the story of the tomb is something that happened 2,000 years ago. But the good news of what happens in your life has been happening over the last several days and weeks today and in the days to come. That Christ brings things back to life. Things that we've moved on from. Things that, that we think that maybe we're putting to bed for the final time. And Jesus says, I still think that relationship, I still think that opportunity has a little bit of life still left in it. So about seven years ago, uh, I was doing some clinical work at UAB's University Hospital as one of their hospital chaplains. And one afternoon, um, I got a call paging me down to the emergency room. And at the emergency room, I met with a doctor uh, who had been working to uh, keep this one young woman alive as furiously as they possibly could uh, so we could go in and talk to her family uh, and explain the desperation of the situation. That she's still with us right now, but may not be for very much longer. And so I walked in and I sat with that family uh, for a couple minutes. And I thought my role was going to be to walk them through their grief, through the chaos that comes uh, with a trauma such as that. And so I did the very best that I could. And I prayed for them, and I sat with them, and I listened to their stories. But those minutes ended up turning into hours. And then those hours ended up turning into uh, the rest of my afternoon and my evening. And that young woman was eventually moved up to the MICU where they continued to care for her with, with not really much hope that anything was going to change, but try to make uh, maybe her last moments as comfortable as possible. And as I reached the end of my shift, I introduced her to the, or I introduced them to uh, the staff chaplain that was coming on after me, uh, made our introductions and went home, went home for several days. And I never saw that young woman again. At least until almost a month and a half later, I heard a rumor that there was a woman who had come into the ER that didn't have much of a chance and that she was going home tomorrow. And I was like, Peter, I was like, there's no way. There's no way that's the same person that I'm thinking about. Came in on the same day, 
came from the same city. I just had to go see for myself. And so I went up to the floor that they said she was on. I went up to the door that they said that she was behind. And I knocked on the door. And I heard her voice. The voice out of somebody that would never, was supposed to speak another word again. And I went in and I talked to somebody who was not supposed to be there anymore. And that moment changed me in an incredible way because I thought my role in that moment was loss and grief and trauma and death. But I ended up coming away uh, over a month later with a story of resurrection, of miracles, of of God moving in ways uh, that I walked into somebody's hospital room and I was the one that left blessed. God works miracles in more than just hospital rooms. God works miracles in relationships. God works miracles in jobs. He works miracles in each and every situation that we encounter in our lives. That we walk in anticipating God to be one place. And finding that God is so far ahead of us in his blessings, his grace, and his love for us, that God has already gone ahead of us and says, I have already broken the power of sin over your life, but I'm wondering if you would join me to help break some more chains out in the world. To help take that what we experience out of resurrection of life and hope, and now because it's so abundant in our lives, do we have some that we can pour out for other people as well? That, I think, is part of our legacy of Easter. That is part of the good news that I feel like that we have. And each and every one of us has a story of resurrection, has a story of God showing up where we least anticipated it and yet going far beyond anything that we ever imagined. And that becomes our testimony. That becomes our story And that story becomes gospel and good news for others to realize that there is still hope and life and grace in this world. We are the Easter people. This is the promise that defines our lives. So let us go forth and tell that good news to the world. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Because, God, we can come at the very early morning of a desperate day and find out that you have already risen. That we can come in the midst of grief or disappointment. We can come in the midst of joy and hope and realize, Lord, that you are always ahead of us. That you have already poured out abundant grace more than we can ever imagine. You have done work far beyond anything that we could ever have conceived. And you are now asking us to join in on that work. Lord, there are idle tales all around us, but there has never been an idle tale about your life, your hope, your joy, and your grace in this world. Allow us to take the rumors that you are still alive out into the world and to show people that it is true. Let us take that abundant grace that you've given us and give it freely back to those that need it the most. As we pray and do all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen.